Good morning, everyone. Where are you guys going? I'm not joking. <laughs> I don't need like a traveling band. <laughs> How are we doing this morning? It is a real privilege to be continuing with our home series. We, uh, it's been really sort of, it feels like it's been a long time coming that we've done a series a bit like this. Uh, I think earlier in the year we were kind of talking and thinking about the church and what it stands for and uh, what it maybe represents to people as they sort of come in uh, as they visit or as they come for the first time. And, and home was really uh, a word and, a, and an idea that kept sort of repeating itself to us, that kept sort of coming back and, and making sense that there was, you know, the home, if you kind of follow me here, home is... A home is different than a house, right? You know, you can walk down the street and you could point at houses. That's, that's a house. This is a house. There's houses everywhere. Houses are buildings. They are, uh, they just, they convey shelter and, and they're very practical in what, what they do. But, but a home, like you really don't know if a place is a home unless you go in there. You don't really, because home, it implies like this sense of belonging. Like you can live in, I, I've, I've stayed in hotel rooms it is shelter, it is covering, it's, it's a building, but it's not a home. It, it, it's not a home because I don't really feel like I belong there. I feel like a visitor there. I feel like uh, I'm going to be there for a short while and then I'm going to move on. But I've lived in flats for, say, six months, a year, and they can feel like home because you feel like you belong there. And, and, and you just you get there and uh, it, can abs- it can completely convey a sense of family, uh, but it's a sense of belonging really more than anything else. That's what, that's what home really signifies. And, and, and when you have home and when you have family, that's a place where you have security, where you find uh, or, or have identity and find value. Uh, and as part of the church, that's what we totally believe in. We believe in a church that, that, that is very much reflects that sort of home nature. It's that you, you find identity in that place. You find security. You feel value in that place. And, and, a, and a really chief part of uh, home is, is, is celebration. It's, it's so important that we celebrate within the homes. Uh, just, just yesterday, it was my uh, eldest son's birthday. He was eight years old, and uh, he actually shares a birthday with his, uh, his granddad, Laura's dad. And so we had a big uh, sort of family meal together. We um, all sort of... Uh, that sort of side of the family came up, and we, we all met at Cosmo, and we, we took up sort of half the half the place, and it was great. And but my my son, he it's quite funny. I think um, Laura posted it on Facebook a wee while ago, but she put a list of what he wanted for uh, for his birthday. And it was like sort of he'd written down like fifty different kind of nature books, and all things like you know he wanted a book on camels and a book about really tall animals and <laughs> about really weird animals, and uh, and so he got some of those books and. He, he had this one about really gross animals. And he would, I think because he felt like it was his birthday, he was sort of entitled to this. He would move around the table and he'd plonk himself down next to people and he would start recounting parts of this book. He would sort of make them study it with him. And, but, but it was gross stuff. So like people are sitting there trying to eat sort of uh, a, a, some curry or, or, or a bit of Chinese and, and he'd be telling them about animals that sick up their food just before they eat it. Or ones that shoot blood out of their eyes and things like that. And it was really funny because I noticed, because I saw him kind of going around, I was paying extra attention, that 
There must have been certain animals and certain gross things that he did that really sort of struck a note with him because I would hear him sort of almost play acting. He, he would say it to numerous people. He says, oh, wow, it shoots blood out of his eyes. I didn't know that. And it's like he wanted to get a reaction from them and just see how they And it was great watching like all my nieces and stuff kind of turn sort of a shade of green as they're trying to eat their food and hearing about, you don't want to know what honey comes from. Seriously, guys, don't even read it. <laughs> Just, the amount of times I heard different people going, never eaten honey again. <laughs> but it was, it was a place to celebrate, where to, to come together. And, and, and when we celebrate within, within the home, when, when we celebrate within the church, you know, we, are, we are bringing and placing, we're discovering value in one another. We're, we're really understanding that and, 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 and placing that and, and, and elevating the value that we have in one another, we have in our relationships together. And uh, one of the things we do in church, uh, particularly in the evening services, uh, my wife Laura, she does this, uh, this sort of, uh, I don't know what you call it, like a regular chat show called What's Your Story, uh, which is sort of part testimony, part hijinks. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and it is actually such a joy to be there. It's such a joy to hear how God has shaped and affirmed people's lives. Like it's really, it, it's, it's, such a, it's such an awesome privilege to be able to sit there and just find out how people have got to where they are and, and, and the journey that they've taken and how God has, has really moved upon their lives. And, and, and I, I sometimes sense there's like this, there's almost like a blossoming that takes place when, the, when they're up there. Because it, it's different when you kind of know what's going on in yourself. But when you come and you, and you share what God has done and, and the church celebrates with you, it's like it really just... It puts such a significance on the breakthrough that you've received, doesn't it? It's, 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 it's something where we all are sort of, we come together just that little bit more. And that is just the value of celebration. That's the value of family and coming together. It's that we can come and we put significance on people's lives. And the Bible talks about uh, the, the house of God, uh, the, the body. And it, it really, it, it refers and, and draws tremendous parallels with the body. Uh, the, the, the house of God, the church, is, is really characterized in that way very strongly. Uh, and there are, there are some really mirac- amazing ways in which you can sort of draw that parallel. Uh, if you think about life in itself, how, how just that spark of life just inspires. Uh, it inspires just that, that breath that we take, the, the beat of our heart, the, the thoughts that our brains have. It, and there's something just so unquantifiable about it something so miraculous and supernatural it, it's 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 the thing that just scientists can't you can work out how every other part of your body works but but to understand that spark of of life is just it's sort of beyond our understanding it's 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 you just can't really put your finger on it. It, it goes beyond human understanding. And, and, and in the same way, when we are born into the house of God, when salvation comes onto it, that change that takes place, it's miraculous. It's supernatural. It goes beyond what any human could sort of calculate or, or, or formulate for itself. It's, it's something so much more uh, profound and, and amazing. And, and yet at the same time, when we are, as members, we are pulled together we are drawn together as a body we are pulled together as a body much like our bodies we have numerous sort of organs and and and, and features within our body that all work together they, they they work together and they give significance to one another they find uh, significance in the function that each other sort of provide and and it's this sort of uh, elaborate entwined symphony that sort of gives the beauty of life it, it's it's what really uh, it's it's the fact that we're all sort of 
codependent with one another, as in house. The, the church is it's codependent, and yet at the same time, it's, we're totally and completely reliant upon God to give us breath. You know, our, we, are, we are founded in God completely and utterly, and yet we find identity in that, but we also find identity in each other. In, in the relationship that we have. We impart that upon one another. It's, it's like if a muscle within your body is expanded and enhanced. The whole body celebrates the benefit that that enhancement brings to the whole. It's, it's something just we are all entwined. We are all interconnected with one another. And the Bible puts it in a, uh, in a really good way in, in, in Romans. Romans 12. I'm actually going to read from the message this morning, which I don't usually go for, but uh, I actually really like the way that it uh, put these verses. So in, in Romans 12, verse six to, 4 to 6. In this way, we are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. But as a a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So, since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvellously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's, uh, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be, without envious, uh, enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something that we aren't. And what I like about this verse is that it explains this really delicate balance that we have in our sort of existence within, within the body. You know, in, in one sense, we are encouraged to, uh, be in, uh, to place value upon the gifts and callings upon our life, to understand that there is value in, in what God has placed within us, what God has called us towards. There is value in that. It, it brings, uh, it blesses and enhances the greater body. However, it's not, it's completely in relationship to everything else. It's within the context of a body. It cannot, it doesn't, uh, those, those gifts, that calling, that ministry does not exist outside. It is not greater than the body. It's like, it's like your heart. Your heart is just probably the most important organ in your body. It is, it is paramount to life. It, it is like the metronome that keeps you going. And yet, if you take your heart out of your body, it's, its, it's uh, authority is taken away. Its, 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 its dominion ceases altogether. It's, it's just a heart. It no longer has that place. And its importance is found within the context of our body. Amen? Yeah. And there's a, there's a verse that, that, that God sort of say, uh, says in there. That, that It's a phrase that really... It's insightful in the sense that it appeases that contradiction. It, it, it finds sort of what, it gives meaning to that. And it's, it's be what you were made to be. Be what we were made to be. Be what we were made to be. It's, it's the question that all humanity seeks an answer to. It's something all humans want to know. It's like, what was I made for? And, and it's a complicated question because... It's a question that can have, it's, it's like a multiple choice question. Like there really isn't many right answers, but there's numerous wrong answers. And, and we probably can all sort of relate to when we sort of feel like we aren't doing what we're meaning to do. Yeah. You know, we, we don't feel like we're working in a way or living in a way that, that is 
authentic to that calling upon our life. That it just feels, it feels disingenuous in a sense. It's not, it's not what we were made to be. And, and what the question I have is, is, is what's that, what does it feel like to have that inauthenticity within your life? It's, it creates a sense of falseness, right? You feel false, you feel empty. Maybe best it's described as you feel lost. There's a sense of lostness when you are just, you're not in line with what you were made to be. And this verse, the verse goes on and it instructs us, that, instructs us that we find our meaning as part of his body. We find our meaning as part of his body. But if we stop relating to the mantle of his house, then we sort of struggle to find our place. We feel out of place. Amen. You feel out of place. If you, if you don't relate to uh, your home, then you feel out of place when you're there. We start to question how we fit within that body. And, and what happens is we begin to feel detached from it. And so this morning, I really want to talk about it's possible, this, this sort of idea that we're possible for us to feel, to belong within the church. We belong within the church and yet feel that we're lost within it. We're lost within it. That you can, you can feel as if you are belonging to a house. And yet not feel like you have any value there. And we, and we can be completely lost in those moments. So there's a... I think that, that kind of idea is sort of uniquely human. It, it's something that really only... You only would ever find in humanity. The idea that... The idea that you could know where you are. You could know where you are. Be right here. And I feel like it's familiar. And I feel like it's comfortable. Mm. But at the same time, I could easily sort of be lost at the same time. I could be upside down and just, this isn't the right way around. This isn't how I'm supposed to be, right? Sorry, I didn't really intend to do that. But at the time, it seemed like a good idea. (laughs) But you can feel completely lost. Well, because if you don't know where you're going, If you don't know where you're going, if you don't know where you're supposed to be going, if you don't know what the direction of your life is, then knowing where you are right now isn't that much help. If you don't know where you're going to go, then being right here, despite the fact that it is comfortable, despite the fact that it is familiar, if I don't know where I'm going, then I am still lost. I am still lost. And the thing is, is it's quite easy to get lost while not moving. In fact, it's the easiest way to get lost when you're in church. Because church has this life. It has this momentum because it's, it's in rhythm with God. God's, his grace, his will, his anointing, it, it sets a rhythm. And, and the church is constantly going through different seasons. It's constantly finding itself through different seasons because God is wanting to produce different things in different seasons. And, and, and he creates different climate. There is a grace for certain seasons because there is a harvest for a particular season. And yet, as the seasons change, we must change also because we draw upon the living waters that come from his spirit. His spirit is what sustains us. And like in the Bible, it talks about new wines. It says new wines go into new wineskins. And yet it's very easy to allow the wineskins of our life or what our lives to become slightly out of sync, to become just 
Not be disciplined in renewing ourselves constantly. Not renewing ourselves such that, that our lives are uh, being refilled in sync with God. That the new wine is constantly filling our lives. And we allow ourselves to become old. And, and being old means that we just we don't fill ourselves. We don't become filled to the same extent. We become unfulfilled. And to get out of season is to sort of experience that lack of fulfillment that his fresh outpouring of grace provides. To get lost while you're within the house is, it's like getting caught between two worlds. It's, it's, you're never truly in one and you're never really in the other. You become estranged from family and yet you're foreign to the world. You, you yeah. don't fit, you feel lost. And the body Whether you think about the church in terms of the body or the family or the house or the home, there's, there's something that persists in all of it. And that is that Jesus sits at the head. Jesus is the head of the family. Jesus is the head of the home. He sits there. And the thing that burdens Christ is when he sees one of us, one of his children, who are kind of wandering around aimlessly. There's, there's something that troubles him when, when he sees that, that, that someone is lost. And so in, in, in trying to remedy that, in remedying that, he, he gave us this parable to, to really sort of give us, uh, to illuminate that plight and to help us restore our meaning. Yeah. And the, the parable that I'm going to speak on today is uh, the one about the lost coins. And Jesus said this in, in Luke 15 verse 8 to 10 from the NIV. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, there is a part of that story that, a part of that parable that when I read it, I struggled kind of like to relate to. And it was just this idea here is that when the woman found the coin, she basically gathered everyone that she knew to celebrate, which is great to celebrate. It seemed to me like a little bit out of proportion with she just found a silver coin. She just lost a silver coin. Like, if you lost a silver coin in your house and you found it, would you get all your neighbours and all your friends and have a party? To me, it just seemed a little... uh, It didn't seem reflective of of what she had gained. And the reason for that is when you look a little bit closer, it says that she had ten coins and she lost one. And what the ten coins represented, it wasn't anything to do with a monetary value. It wasn't that she'd lost a sum of money, and then she found it again. The ten coins is representative of uh, what a married woman would wear, uh, like a garland. She'd wear them together. And so it was a part of something that sort of really projected who she was and uh, a part of who her life was and and, and the fact that she was married. And, And so really, when she had lost a part of that, it was not like that she'd lost a sum of money. It was more like she'd lost her wedding ring. It, that, that's a much better representation of it. It's a, and, and in losing her wedding ring, it, you, it sort of presents questions to those around. If you go around wearing a nine coin 
garland instead of a 10-coin garland, people, are, people will ask, like, why, why are you incomplete? They might not ask it to you, but, but the feeling will be like, why, why have you only got nine coins instead of ten coins? Uh, what, what, what's happened? What's, what's wrong? And it would, in a sense, undermine her. And she would have felt that deep sense of being undermined. I, I, I remember a few years ago now that my, uh, my wife Laura lost her wedding rings. Uh, she was, I think she was in one of the uh, shopping centres and she was washing her hands and she took off her rings. She would always take them off when she would wash her hands and she washed them and I think she had uh, some of the little children with her and got distracted and at the end of the day she realised she didn't have her wedding rings, her wedding ring and her engagement ring and they'd gone and she was really like devastated as you would imagine. Not because of the value of them, but because of what they represented, of, of what the importance of what they communicated to the wider world, that, that she was married, that she had covering, that, that, that that's who she was, uh, and, and she wanted the world to know that. And so she, after a few days, I think it was a few days, I doubt it was that evening, she came up and she said, James, I've uh, got a confession to make. I've, I've, uh, I've searched everywhere, but I think I've lost my wedding rings. And I... Very reasonably said, oh, when did, where did you have them last? <laughs> this is what you say to children. <laughs> like as if she'd be like, oh, I never thought to look there. <laughs> and she's oh, I think I lost them. And she told me about washing her hands. And I'm like, all right, okay. Now, there's times where you know what your wife is about to ask. And, and yet you, just, you, you don't try and help her ask that question. You try and, uh, try and walk, oh, no, that's really sad. Don't worry, I forgive you. <laughs> she's like, James, 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 uh, you're going to need to buy me new ones. I'm like, oh, right, okay. And, uh, you know, we didn't have any money when we got married, so you're going to have to buy me better ones. And I'm like... <laughs> and I was like, oh, right, okay. So we, one afternoon we went and she chose them and they were more expensive. And, uh, <laughs> and she had them. And, and you know what happened when she had them? She showed everybody. She showed her pictures on Facebook and, and everything. <laughs> Every, the whole nine yards, everybody, she would pull them in, look at my new rings and all that kind of stuff. There was a celebration. There was something that was like we built up. Everyone was involved in this because something of her identity was, was sort of restored in the fact that she had these wedding rings. There's a little bit further to the story. So I don't know what the length of time was. Maybe it was six months. Maybe it was a year. Laura thought on a day, I know what I'll do. I will clean underneath the settee. I will clean underneath the cushions in the settee. And she picked up the cushions and there they were, the, their wedding rings. They'd been there all the time. And she said, James, James, I found my wedding rings. And I said, do you still have the receipts? <laughs> Happy face, sad face. I don't know. I don't know. Well, she's got like, you know, she's got like four wedding rings. At least she's got two hands. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that that was it. It was it was something. She just felt like this deep sense that when it wasn't there, there was an incompleteness. There was something that wasn't being communicated. There was something of her identity that had been lost. And when it was restored, when it was affirmed, when it was upheld, there was a celebration yeah. because. Her identity was once more what it should be. See, we often think about this parable, and we think about it in terms of people being lost 
much like the coins were lost. We think that's, that's, the, that's the relationship. And yet, I think there's so much more to it. I think you can look at it that way, absolutely. But so much of God's parables, are, or Jesus' parables, tell so many different stories when you look at them through different lenses. And in this respect, we're not the coins. If you, if you have that sense of you feel just a little out of place, like you don't fit within the house, within the kingdom of God, then don't think about yourself in terms of the coin. But think about yourself in terms of the woman who had lost something of her identity. Something that, that, that she, and she'd lost that sense of belonging in her home. And, and in that, just there was this confusion, this sense of being adrift, this incompleteness and this unfulfillment. The Bible's really cool because it doesn't just present the problem, it presents the solution. It always presents, it it sets it up so that we can relate to it and be like, yeah, I know what that feels like. And then it says, well, this is how you navigate yourself out of that. See, what is an interesting thing. What did she not do when she lost her wedding rings? What she didn't do was expect somebody else to find them. And she didn't wait for them just to turn up. Yeah. I'm going to say something really radical to you. That if you are in that place, if you are in the house, but you feel lost, Jesus isn't going to be the one that finds you. But he has given you everything you need to be found. See, when he's given us all the tools to discover our identity within the family, if you are feeling complete, God has given you what you need to be restored. When the woman searched, when she searched for her wedding ring, She used light and she swept up. What do those two things mean? When she used light, she used the word of God. That is the word of God. God's word is a light. It is a word that that, that brings lightness. It illuminates our circumstances. What does that do? It exposes the lies. It exposes all those little lies, all those little chains that bond us up and and, and just obscure the truth. They obscure who we are, that, that have drawn us aside, that, have, that has made us stumble. The light, God's word, his truth brings clarity to those situations. And what's the other thing she did? She swept up. She cleared away the disorder and chaos in her life. She cleared it away. The Holy Spirit, it brings Where there is dysfunction and disorder within our life, it brings order. It brings righteousness, which is when our lives are find alignment, where the the dysfunction, the confusion that reigns, it's swept away. You get a brush and you sweep it away. You turn the light on and you sweep away. That you bring your life to be one that is filled with life, filled with light, and one that is clean. One that is cleansed, one that is made righteous, one that has all of the, the, the mistakes and the regrets swept aside, swept aside by his spirit to draw upon his spirit, his truth and his spirit, harmony and light. These are the things that restore our identity. I've got one more verse for you just before I finish. In Psalms 119 verse 105. That's a long chapter. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. So while darkness blinds and disorder conceals, 
God's word, God's light unveils our path. It unveils our path, a path that leads us in pursuit of who we were made to be. Of who we were made to be. That, that, that leads us back to that platform that God earmarked for us in his house. Where we can do great deeds in his name. Where we cannot accept the enemy in, uh, coming and, and, and setting foot upon those lands, upon that harvest that Christ has set aside for his home. A path that leads to meaning and purpose and identity. His spirit, it re-injects us. It takes us from the, from the surface as if like, you know how sometimes when, when you have something foreign in your body, like a splinter almost, and, and your body just by itself will just push it to the surface and, and it's just there. It's like sometimes we feel like we've just been pushed to the surface, pushed outside of the core, and and we just don't feel as if we're like part of it anymore. And yet the Spirit of God takes us and re-injects us into the bloodstream, re-injects us into the body, that we start to get pumped around that body, that we become a part of its life force, that we become a part of its health, of its advancement, of its progress. The Spirit of God takes us and re-injects us into the body. Not that we would be stagnant or stale, but that we would be fresh. A part of the body that sustains it, that grows it. Amen? Stand with me, guys. everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening.